0: It's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out there and available to our students.
1: Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids. But I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Here's your
2: host, Janita Bailey.
1: Well, welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School-Aged Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. If your child has complained about any of the following as a result of an impending test or taking a test, he or she may have test anxiety. I have trouble sleeping the night before a test. Number two, before a test, I get a headache. Number three, during a test, I have become nauseated and have had to leave the classroom. Number four, during a test, my chest feels tight and I have trouble remembering. Or number five, my mind goes blank during tests. That's got to be awful. Someone suggested to me to do a test anxiety show for a topic, and I have to admit, I didn't think it was a thing. I really just thought that most people get a little nervous before a test, during a test, but that it wasn't a real problem. But as I researched the topic, I discovered that this can be a debilitating problem. And according to the American Test Anxieties Association is the number one learning challenge of students today. It affects more than 10 million kids in North America. Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag schooldayshow and hashtag I am school days. And also, we do want you guys to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214 444 5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a line uh, and drop us a question there, and we'll do our very best to answer it as quickly as possible. Now, without further ado, let's let our kid casters introduce our guests. Our first kidcaster is Ava Billingsley of Mansfield, Texas. And she's actually living currently in New Zealand with her family. Her mom explains that she's a sixth grade student in the States, but a seventh grader in New Zealand.
2: Alicia Chenevere hails from the city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She is a graduate of Southern University A&M and obtained her Master of Education from Dallas Baptist University. She currently serves as an academic interventionist at High Point Elementary. Ms. Chenevere is also the author of the book, Testing Jitters, which is a tool used to support parents and educators all over the country. Ms. Chenevere is married with two beautiful daughters and a proud member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. She enjoys reading, interior decorating, gardening, cooking, online shopping, and weekend brunch with family and friends. Welcome to school days, Miss Chenever.
0: <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the show. Delighted to be here. Yeah.
1: And our second kid caster is first grade student Christina Bailey from Mansfield, Texas.
2: Tiffany Turner is a licensed professional counselor supervisor with a master's degree in counseling from Northeastern State University. She began her career working with Child Protective Services and then gained experience at a local psychiatric hospital in both inpatient setting as well as partial hospitalization. Since that time, she has and continues to work as a crisis intervention counselor at Eagle Mountain Saginaw ISD. In addition to maintaining a private practice, providing services to adolescents, adults, families, and groups. Welcome to school days, Ms. Turner.
3: Thank you so much. Great to be here. What a wonderful intro. It's a lot of big words for a first grader. Yeah, (laughs) it was good.
1: So let's go ahead and just jump right in. (laughs) Tell us what test anxiety is and how does it differ from general nervousness that you have before a test?
3: You want to take that one? You can go first, okay? Um, I think We're fighting te- to answer. Yeah, no <laughs> test anxiety. Um, you know, it, it, it's on a continuum, so you have different extremes of how you experience it. And so, I think probably most people experience just the general nervousness when they have some sort of performance. I think you have to keep an eye for kids on when it starts to be debilitating. So, if it's impairing functioning or if it's impacting their test scores, then it can start to become more of what we would call like the test anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it an actual diagnosable um, condition?
3: It's not specifically test anxiety is not in the DSM five, but it can be. And again, depending there's some criteria, it has to really impair functioning, but um, it can be under like a social phobia or specific phobia. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's different in some of the other anxiety disorders, um, but it has to really be impairing functioning to get that diagnosis. Okay, gotcha.
0: And when I think about what this looks like, as opposed to just overall nervousness, you can typically identify a time frame that it occurs. So the night before an assessment or the morning of or just moments before and sometimes immediately after the beginning of the test, the start Mm -hmm. of the test. Some students get ill immediately after beginning the test. So Mm -hmm. closer to probably about like a 24 hour window of the assessment. You can see it.
1: Yeah. How does test anxiety differ from generalized anxiety disorder?
3: So, generalized anxiety disorder is going to be a variety of worries. So there's not a specific worry. Um, there's some other criteria, too. It has to be happening more days than not, um, usually over a six-month period of time. And so it's going to look different. Um, I think what makes testing anxiety unique is sort of it is related to testing. Um, there's some, some root causes of it, like you know fear of failure is a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of preparation can play into that. Um, And then if they've had like a poor test history, if they haven't been successful regularly on tests, well then they're gonna have more of that test anxiety come mm-hmm. up for them. Mm-hmm.
0: And to add to that, a lot of times in school districts what we find is students after after, after completing an assessment and having to retake it, or perhaps even like the STAR test, mm-hmm. if the first administration they do poorly on it and then they have to take it again during the summer session, that anxiety increases significantly during the summer session. Then you would see during the school year, perhaps like in the April or May, mm-hmm. um, administration of the test that makes
1: good sense yeah Uh, is there an age that this usually begins to appear so grade
0: well i've seen it as early as like first grade Mm -hmm. only because by then they're aware that there's an assessment right so even if it's just a spelling test or you know math test they realize it's important and there's accountability there so when that when that realization occurs it's like this is not this is not going to be good for me So as early as first grade.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I think in general, anxiety disorders come between 6 and 12. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I mean, we see it all the way up even to the high school. Right. So. Um, it may start early, but it's something that can persist if they don't get a handle on it.
1: Right. And Alicia, your daughter <laughs> had test anxiety, and that mm-hmm. was really kind of what um, started you on the journey of figuring out yes. what can be done with that. And yes. what what was your
0: response to that? So for me, it came out of nowhere. I was like, "What? What is this?" Because she um, was what I would say is a model student. We she didn't require a lot of support. Uh, very independent. Very uh, very independent. Self sufficient. And she held herself to a great, a great level of accountability with her school performance. So for all practical purposes, a straight A student. Yeah. So to have a straight A student experience this the night before star test is what happened for us. And I was just like, what is this? And everything that she expressed was like, to the T, she was like the poster child for everything that I'd read about test anxiety mm-hmm. all in one night. It, it, it on the onset was was pretty quickly. Wow. And so you wrote a book. Yes. Tell us about that book. What's it called? So the name of the book is Testing Jitters. Can I? Let's see. Yes, please. (laughs) Let us see it. Let's see. The name of the book is Testing Jitters. Let's see. Can you sit around the microphone? So Mm -hmm. colorful. There we go. Here we go. So the name of the book is Testing Jitters. And so this book was inspired by my daughter. Um, So the night before uh, her third grade star test is when this anxiety that we're speaking of is when I noticed this. And for me, it was, is there a resource available that I can share with her? Is there a social story? Is there something that I can that I can reach for quickly? And there was not anything. There was not um, a book or anything that I knew of. And immediately, I just kind of started talking through What I knew as an educator, I thought would be best. So we talked about strategies. We talked about the importance of getting a good night's sleep. We talked about the importance of breakfast the next morning. And that conversation kind of spiraled into all the things that she'd rather do (laughs) other than take a test. And that's what happened. So I began talking about us, you know, going to the park or going to the beach. And we just begin unpacking things that she would rather do other than take a test. And so I brought it back full circle and I was like, everything that you just spoke of, these are things that will help you relax and think positively going into your test. Mm -hmm. And from there, just words of affirmation, just the things that we all do for children and people that we love, sharing with them and reminding them of who they are and what they're capable of. And that's that's how this was derived. But that's where it came from I was like, who are you? Hmm. Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And I knew then that if this could happen to her, it could happen to anyone. It yeah. could happen to anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What makes some students more vulnerable to test anxiety? Are there certain characteristics of a kid that might experience this?
0: I, what I found for sure, which threw me a little bit with her, was children who typically struggle with testing, who experience, um, who've had a history of poor test taking, um, self-esteem. I've even seen students with really low self-esteem mm-hmm. who just simply believe they cannot do this and it's just impossible. Um, that, those were starters for me. What about you? Yeah, and I you? think
3: just to add, I agree with all of that. I just think just to add on is just you do have certain personalities or temperaments that are just wired a little tighter than others and they just you're pointing out to point to yourself. Mm-hmm. I am also one of <laughs> I am them. One of you. those people. You know so, those people so, I am. <laughs> you know we have more of that tendency to to stress and just take on some of that anxiety too. It can be, you know, genetic. Um if if anxiety runs up your family tree, in general, um, sometimes you can be a little bit more prone when those things come. Oh Mm
1: -hmm. no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, also kids with learning disabilities, are they more vulnerable to this?
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: for sure. Mm -hmm.
3: My daughter has, um, dyslexia and so everything's a little bit of a struggle for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, definitely that can play in.
1: I have a, a friend actually who, um, has a child that's uh, gifted and talented and she expressed to me that she has a daughter who has become compulsive about test taking and that she gets obsessed about about math and re- writing and makes sure she's writing everything down are gt kids because of just kind of the way that they are wired mm-hmm. are they more susceptible
3: i think not not all i mean there you want to stay away from stereotypes you know in general mm-hmm. but i think um for sure in terms of just how a GT is in the world. So they are, they know they're GT. They know there may be some expectations that come with that. And there may be some self-imposed pressure that they put on themselves to maintain that sort of title or identity, you know? And so if they think that they're going to fail a test or something like that, that really kind of taps into, Oh, that shakes my identity and who I feel like I am. So there's some, pr- some pressure I think that can come with that. Mm-hmm. And
0: you just spoke to my daughter. She is GT mm-hmm. and all of those things are absolutely true. She, and that's why I was saying she holds herself to a great level of accountability so she knows what she's supposed to do and she knows um what she's capable of most of the time but the idea the very idea of not being able to accomplish what she feels like she should that's pressure that they apply to Mm -hmm, themselves mm -hmm, they do
1: they mm -hmm. do and also they're they're pretty analytical and sensitive now of course it's not across the mm-hmm. board of yeah, course yeah, yeah. but because um of the way their brains are wired they're analytical and sensitive and so it can just make it they can work themselves into a frenzy sure. mm-hmm. over performance yes. yeah yeah because this is really a performance anxiety test anxiety basically mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so is this tell us just a little bit more about it what kind of other things can cause test anxiety we talked about um Ill, being ill-prepared mm-hmm. is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if you're a GT student and you're putting a lot of pressure on yourselves, what other things can cause it?
0: I've seen students who don't have a lot of support. Mm. I've seen students who don't have support at home, and so there's not anyone to help them. Maybe not even just the test, but with homework are just like the regular responsibilities for them as a student. So if they struggle with these things and they don't feel supported at home, then they come to school And they look for their teachers and educators around them to support them and be extremely nurturing. And so I've seen that. I've seen that happen quite often. Just not having the support. Mm -hmm.
3: No, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of this, too, is just um, you mentioned self-esteem, just the fear of failure fear of not measuring up, um, so much of it, just sort of mental and some of that self-talk and the things that they're telling themselves. And so you can really work yourself up in just what your self-talk is. So if I'm talking to myself and I'm saying, I'm not going to do well, I've always done poorly on tests, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to set myself up to be a whole lot more anxious. So I may rate a nine out of 10 in anxiety versus if I can tell myself, Hey, I got this. Um, I've done this before. If I don't pass, I'll have another chance. You know, some of those things that sort of bring it down a notch. Mm -hmm. And I have had kids um, write a note card with some of those positive affirmations on them before. Because when your brain starts to get into that sort of freak out mode or that fight or flight or freeze or fawn, Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to think in that moment. You're, you're really trying to kind of calm yourself down at that point. And so having that note card available, um, to pull out of your pocket when you're not capable of thinking through all those things can be really helpful for kids.
1: Also just, you know, if you have these affirmations, if you say them often enough, they get into your brain. Yes. So they can be recalled in the moments of, um, of anxiety. Did you say fight or flight fight or, or fight. what was the other freeze? I've heard fight or
3: fall. fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Or fawn, Fawn, which that maybe doesn't necessarily apply to, that's more of where, uh, you know, you, you think of those, uh, terror responses or whatever. And so in terms of a tiger, you know, you're going to fight the tiger or you're going to run away from the tiger, or you're going to try to hide from the tiger, which is the freeze, or you're going to try to talk the tiger into telling you not to eat you, um, which would be more (laughs) of the fawn. I gotcha. And so usually with test anxiety, we see a lot more of like the freeze or the flight, um, responses with that.
0: And even with um, even with my daughter, one of the things that I recognize when talking to her, like when we were talking through the, the night before the star, the words of affirmation so much so that. I was able to embed them throughout the testing jitters book because I realized how important it was to her. So when you were saying that, I was like, I've got several pages here. So there's a part when she's brushing her teeth and it says, Maya looked into the mirror. I can do all things and anything because I believe in myself. I was born to be great and greatness resides in me. Fear will not. And she had breakfast and her mom took her to school. But that that was a part where it's like the fear of, The fear that just, it just encompasses who they are. They're like, I can't do this. And so the fear that you're speaking of, that's exactly what my daughter was experiencing. It was was almost like pure panic yeah it was total panic it was panic Mm. panic.
3: and it really gets them in a different center of their brain even you know not to go all brain no no i love love when you're you're in that state of just sheer panic you're all the way in your amygdala and so you don't you and and where we need to be when we're taking a test is in our thinking zone in our in our frontal cortex Mm -hmm. you know but when we're freaking out we're way back here and so we've got to have some strategies that sort of bring it back down a notch and i think the positive affirmation is such a good one to sort of front load Mm -hmm. you know like as you were saying as you go um because when you are freaking out it's hard to like think yourself through that mm-hmm. but i always talk to kids about um it's kind of like a tape player they don't always know what that is because i'm old but um <laughs> that part is like tape,
0: player. <laughs> tape recorder like a, what's a tape recorder yeah, sometimes <laughs> tape. i'll say cd player
3: but it's <laughs> CD? Kind of still like what? what's that <laughs> but it's like you have you, we get to decide what plays in our mind mm-hmm. and so if there's something playing in our mind we have to first recognize okay this isn't this is the bad stuff i don't want to be hearing right, right and then i want to hit stop i want to hit eject and i want to insert all of these other things that are in your book all these things that are the good (laughs) stuff so that they can have that play time Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, that's good are there things that we as parents can do that can exacerbate test anxiety <laughs>
3: you put you on the spot.
0: <laughs> you go know,
3: first. Okay. I'll be here all day. <laughs> okay. I think, um you know, I think we want our kids to do well. And I think sometimes we get focused on the grades. And so if, if, if they're not getting an A or if it's a B or if it's a C, you know, I think trying to really f- shift that to more where we're focusing on effort and we're focusing on how hard they work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, you have some parents who are trying to kind of live through their kids. Okay,
0: let me jump in there. Okay, do it, girl. So. <laughs> let me get warmed up. No, I was going to say, you know, when you think about social norms and what parents do um, for social acceptance mm-hmm. and the fear of not being socially accepted, right? So when, you know, you're at soccer practice and all the moms are are chatting about (laughs) (laughs) what their children are doing or you're at dance, your children are at dance and you're in the lobby waiting or wherever it is, whatever it is that you're doing with other parents congregating, you're just talking about what's happening at school and their extracurricular activities. And I think every mom, every dad wants to be a part of that conversation and have something positive to chime in at any cost. For sure. And you inflict that pain on those children sometimes not even knowing but that pressure to perform based upon social norms that is a serious situation Mm -hmm. and i think you know lots of parents do it Mm -hmm. unknowingly but but it happens Mm -hmm. yeah it happens it's pretty common
1: and they're listening i mean I'm always shocked at the things that my kids can repeat back to me because it's like, oh, they were paying attention to that. Uh-huh. And it's some, sometimes things that I didn't want them to be uh, noticing. Don't that, run I was that saying. back for me. Don't right. Exactly. <laughs> but they're they're listening to the conversations that they have. And they also are um, taking in the values that we have. Mm-hmm. And um, the you know, we, there was a study that we talked about in another episode um, where kids were asked what their family values what their parents value and there the question was do your parents value that you're healthy and happy over your grades and most times the kids were saying that the grades were more important than my happiness. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well I read read an article one time that talked about the mom. Every time the kid came home, you know, her first question was, Well, how did you do on your tests? Well, mm-hmm. How did you do and so sort of even just shifting to hey, how was your day? You know, what'd you do mm-hmm. at recess? Right. And just changing sort of the conversation even.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that
3: takes
0: practice though. That's sure. one of those things you you may start like, hey how was your day versus tell me two things that happened today or tell me three things that happened today. Um, and sometimes that's a mindset shift and we have to be reminded to even do that. It may not come natural to some parents For to sure. ask the right questions right. when allowing a child to reflect on their day. So we have to be intentional with the way that we pose our questions so that we ask the right questions mm-hmm. if that's a thing I love that mm-hmm.
1: What is? biologically happening when we have test anxiety what causes it well
3: i mean i I can talk about the brain get real nerdy about that but i I I don't mind nerd okay um but i do think you know it is it is that jump back into that amygdala whenever that anxiety hits and so if there's things that we can do like deep breathing or, um, even some, some mindfulness stuff. Um, and I may be jumping ahead in your questions a little bit. We but, can go okay. There. okay. But, um, uh, fo- focusing on relaxing your muscles or focusing on some point in the rooms, anything that can bring you to the present moment. Cause anytime you're talking about anxiety, you're talking about a fear of something that could happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's future focused. So if you can bring kids back to the present, with some of that mindfulness stuff, um, it, it helps to counteract some of that biological response that happens um, and maybe have a little bit more control and pull them back into that prefrontal cortex where they can test well.
0: And I've known of lots of educators who prior to beginning a, a test, they will allow students an opportunity to do some deep breathing and maybe some stretching out of their seats, and maybe stretching in their seats. But I've seen that over the years and students seem to respond well to that. They can appreciate yeah. that it's being acknowledged and that someone is taking the time to give them the opportunity to just kind of breathe through it before we start on anything. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that work and I've seen it. I've seen it. Successful,
1: yeah. So mindfulness—that's you know a key a, a word that we're hearing tossed around a lot. So what exactly is it? It's more than deep breathing, but what is it? What is it doing?
0: You go ahead. Well, I'm I'm only speaking from a parent's perspective and as an educator, but I know that um when in the classroom setting and, and in classroom settings and, and school settings, um when teachers are speaking to children in a way that allows the students to see themselves as successful Um, i think even as an educator who is encouraging students along the way even leading up to the test or even in their day-to-day interactions that to me looks like mindfulness just day-to-day in what students can see and touch and feel they know when they walk into a room if it's intentional that the environment Feels a certain way, or the language that you're using, um, it makes them feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. That is mindfulness that a student can appreciate, and they can acknowledge, and they may not have a coined term for it, but they know what it feels like.
3: Mm -hmm. And there's a push for mindfulness right now. It's a real evidence-based approach to um, just living, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of schools are including it in some of their social emotional learning. It's it's a really Cool thing, but the gist of it is you're trying to get kids to really live in the present moment um, to be able to equip them to feel what they feel. And be okay with it. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to have hard emotions that come in and out, and you almost think of them as clouds passing by, as opposed to this big storm that's encompassing you. It just keeps you more grounded. There's a lot to it. Um, that's probably a, a whole nother whole show. That is another show. I was <laughs> like, oh, I can go like two or three it's other places good stuff. with stuff, Yeah, but um, it's good
0: stuff. And one of the things um, at the campus that I'm on, High Point Elementary in Cedar Hill, there are calming stations in every classroom, Ooh. so students have the ability. That to go and self-regulate. And so it's not a punishment. It's not timeout. Students have the opportunity to place themselves in a calming zone where they go and there are stress toys and there's journals and all types of manipulatives where they can go there and just kind of center themselves. And if there's a log, then it indicates how long they're there, like what time they go to the calming station, what time they come out, as often as how often they're going. And so students that need that time a little bit more frequently um, our administrative staff is able to kind of look at those students and place them in small groups for social emotional learning. So that's, so that's and that's what I said. That's a whole other show, but we have a social emotional learning specialist on our campus, Mr. Holmes. And in that space, his classroom is dedicated to social emotional learning. And so outside of the support of a guidance counselor, they are able to self regulate in this self, uh, in this, self-regulating room of sorts with all types of um manipulatives and calming yeah uh, toys there's a ball pit there's a uh, like a big spongy type chair there's lighting there's aromatherapy all the good stuff that allows them to self-regulate it is a great place when the adults need time we go there the pretzels we go there when we need time and um and you can go there, but you go back to class, and it's an alternative. And what we're finding is is reducing behavior, yep. and it's reducing uh, referrals, behavior yep. referrals, yeah. because they're having an opportunity to self reflect, take responsibility, own their actions, and regulate, and regulate mm-hmm. it. And it may they may be able to de escalate it, and it not even. Um, impact the environment to where they are needed, like yeah. a referral. We do that at our school as well. And I just think it's so
3: important that we start having that conversation and teaching more kids to be in tune with their bodies and know when they need a break. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they don't have to just sit in that chair all day and suffer. Like there are things they can do to take a break and listen to their bodies. And yes. so I love and that's, that. And
0: that almost feels like another show as well because teachers should not expect students to remain in one spot for extended periods of time but that's a whole nother well thank you for giving me show (laughs) ideas
1: because i certainly (laughs)
0: we've given you like three that's like three follow-up shows right i know Good job. well if you
1: would like to know more about social emotional learning we actually did a a whole episode about that um last year so you should go back and look at that one nice um i'd like to know you said something i'm trying to think what it was that i wanted to follow up on I cannot remember. I'll come back to it. Hopefully, um, what are some other things that we need to look for that are um, examples or symptoms of test anxiety? Because I'll say one that I've noticed with my daughter, because she, you know, she's a first grader. I see a lot of this tummy aches. Yes, yes. So, what are some of the other things? And it took me a little while to figure out that the tummy ache was the issue was a was actually a testing testing issue, but. What what is kind of, kind of talk a little bit about that.
3: I think frequent nurses visits. So headaches, stomach aches, a lot of visits to the nurse's office, especially if you can tie it to certain times in the day where they know to expect a test. Um, You know, there's all kinds of physical symptoms that can happen for, for kids, diarrhea, even Mm -hmm. sweating, shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got, you know, emotional symptoms too, just feelings of anger Um, increased irritability, fear, um, feeling helpless or hopelessness, hopelessness, Mm. feeling disappointed. Um, and then to the behavioral. Um, and I think a lot of times when kids don't have words, you know, it comes out in their behavior. So, um, difficulty concentrating, um, and, and just thinking negatively about themselves, comparing themselves to others.
0: Um, and then. Yeah, I've often seen oppositional behavior Mm -hmm. um, as a result of the oppositional defiance um, as a result of test anxiety. I've also seen I've also seen students work themselves over to the point of vomiting and just crying hysterically, like on the spot, thinking if I can do anything to get out of this room, I'll be good. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see it just kind of happen before your eyes sometimes. Right.
1: How has the increase of emphasis on standardized testing impacted this topic?
0: I would certainly say significantly, Mm -hmm, significantly. mm -hmm. Um, I think with accountability, with school districts and accountability, and, and individual school. Uh, school campuses accountability. It's its there. The accountability is across the board for administration, for teachers, for students. And so I think that in wanting the standardized test to reflect accurately the work that's going into the scholars every day, right? Because you've got so many people that are showing up every day, pouring themselves into their scholars. You want them to do their very best because everybody's working so hard. Mm-hmm. And so I think the pressure of just feeling like you want the results to be, you know, indicative of what you do every day. That's that's pressure in itself. You're you're giving it 150% and you just want the world to know how awesome your scholars are. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. And yeah. I think our teachers
3: even have to be mindful. You know, I've had conversations because it, it's now tied to their job performance. And mm-hmm. so when they feel anxious about it, it's, anxiety is contagious. It's easy to sort of pass that down. And and so our teachers are having to be really mindful of sort of having their game face on, but also teaching these things and helping these kids be as successful as possible on these tests. hmm
1: mm-hmm. Let's just take a quick break to say that if you have any questions to ask of our experts, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're listening to us on Facebook or watching us on Facebook, uh, drop us a question and we will do our very best to answer you. I was talking to a friend yesterday and she was talking about the stress that she is feeling about the STAR test, the state test that's coming up. If you have seen that with parents? Test anxiety from parents. They're not taking the test.
0: Yes. It's because they worry so much about they worry about their children. They worry Mm -hmm. about how they're feeling and they're concerned with, with their social emotional state and what it looks like at home. And one of the things that I found, too, is that children and parents understand that our standardized assessments are very different from perhaps your unit test or maybe the teacher made test throughout the the, the year, something that's happening every week um, and the emphasis on the big test versus the smaller test, mm-hmm. I, I think that's I think that's Raps something that we're that we're mm-hmm. finding um happen. But one of the one of the things that I always say even when talking to teachers about this is the same importance that you place on star. If you're placing that level of importance on all of the assessments, then there's not a one big test. They're all important. And so you're treating them all with importance. And even with instruction, if the instruction is high quality, it's happening all of the time, you're giving 150% every day then it's not like oh let's get it together now because we've got this test to take it's the it's the standard it's the expectation that every single day this is what we do these are our norms and when you carry yourself in that way and the children come to expect it then they know oh okay we're just doing what we always do we're using our strategies we've been doing this since august we've been um you know we've been noting our strategies or or we've been doing breathing exercises or whatever it is that their routines are You've been doing them since the very beginning. And so I think that takes a little of the pressure off of everyone.
3: Yeah. And I think in terms of those, you know, those positive affirmations or those things that you're sort of telling yourself to bring anxiety down a notch. I feel like I'm talking to students and parents often about, you know, if you don't pass, worst case scenario, if you don't pass the star. Um, you're gonna have another chance to take it, mm-hmm. and so it's that do your best thing. And so in in adding that to your note card, you know, if I don't pass it, I'm gonna have another chance. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have as many chances as I need to to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, There's
0: something about wanting to be redeemed, right? Yeah, I mean you yeah. you want to know that. Oops, I can do this again, or I can try. Okay. As adults, we that's want a that. growth mindset, yeah. and that's yeah. what we're trying to teach kids and yeah. parents. Growth, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Let me ask about mm-hmm. nutrition. Is there are there certain things we want to avoid so that we cannot be anxious during test time?
0: Well, we want to eat for sure. Let's start there. We don't want to not eat. It's amazing how many students are like, I don't eat breakfast. It's just not something that I do. I don't need it. I don't mm-hmm. want it. Um, and there's a reference in Testing Jitters about breakfast now. um, As far as what you don't want, I remember my first year as a classroom teacher years and years ago, there was a little guy who came in and his dad stopped for donut holes every day. Worst. Worst. Every day. In fact, if he didn't have his donut holes, the other kids would be like, where are your donuts? And I'm like, leave them in the car. But donut holes, you don't want to just sugar them up that's uh-huh. for sure yeah nope. any
3: kind of processed sugar um yes. that's going to impact brain health and and you know the hippocampus is responsible for that memory part um and so if you're going in to take a test and you've revved all your brain up with all that sugar you're you're not going to have as much recall as you would had you just eaten
0: something healthy um so 100 no sugar there you go and a lot of a lot of schools have now implemented uh, lunch program well breakfast programs where students have access to free breakfast. And so breakfast is um, available to them in the morning before they even begin their day. Now they can choose to decline it, but I know that in Cedar Hill we have breakfast available to the students every morning. And so it's nutritionally balanced, um, whether it be a, a muffin or fruit cereal combination or some type of a breakfast burrito wrap Um, with milk. And so they have that to start their day. And that's like the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that when Mm -hmm. I was in school. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that's a great, that's, that's a great piece to begin their day. Because even if it's not a test day, you think about what's happening at home. And for some students, they may not even have the option um, that someone is there to provide Mm -hmm. breakfast or any nurture before they come to school. So that goes a long way. What about caffeine? can i have a
1: um like for high school students I can i have if you're my grown up, then yes no but i'm talking <laughs> about you know high school students are gonna stop by and get what are those cold starbucks drinks um, um what is my diet? i know what um, you're vanilla, talking about yeah. frappuccino yeah yeah, the yeah, yeah. is her. that all right
0: the pink drink
3: i think um I'm not going to call myself an expert when I answer this question, but I think if it's part of your normal routine, if you normally have a cup of coffee every day, you don't want to necessarily change anything about your routine. Cause then you're going to be going into that test with a headache mm. and that's going to okay. be distracting. But I think if you don't typically do caffeine and you're trying to introduce it, um, you that know, you may time. rev yourself up and be jittery and it may not have quite the effect that you're looking for um, in helping you be successful for that test.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there, helpful and good
0: levels of anxiety? I think there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when thinking about wanting to do well and, and wanting to be a great student, there is a level of consciousness in order in order to be a successful student for sure. Like you do think about your study habits and what you need to do so that you establish some type of balance, right? So that, mm-hmm. yeah, I may have a video game or I may watch something on TV or I may be outside playing for a certain amount of time, but then I do need to make sure these things are done before I do that or in w- whatever order it may be. But I certainly think that balance balance is a key. And I think students in a great in a healthy mindset understand this and and they're able to self-regulate
3: yeah and i think just normalizing you know we get so good at calling things a disorder you know i think (laughs) i think sometimes just normalizing hey we all have anxiety and and it can be a good thing i mean i don't want to be in trouble by my boss so i'm going to show up on time to work because i don't want to feel that anxiety i want to get a good grade on this test and so i'm probably going to prepare so anxiety can be sort of a drive to do those things that we need to do
1: Mm mm-hmm is there something you can recommend to students that freeze up on the test? That's never happened to me, but I can't imagine if that did. What What do you recommend to do?
3: I think it goes back to trying to get yourself out of that amygdala, you know, and doing some of those deep breathing and, and some of those things to calm. Um, but also, I think, just start. Just go ahead and start the test Mm -hmm. and jump to those questions that you're sure of to start building some confidence or start an outline of an essay question just to kind of get going. Cause once you get going, you know, you're one thing you're not focused on that anxiety and all of those feelings you're having in your body. um, And that can just help
0: you keep going. Mm -hmm. I often think about the importance of strategies, which was something else that was referenced in the children's book, because quite often educators teach strategies and it may be in the form of an acronym. So often when students you know, are sitting in front of a test and that strategy or that acronym, whether it be a song, because I was notorious for singing and rapping the, the strategies. But when you think about that strategy and if it's an acronym and you write it at the top of your document or on the margin to the left or the right, but that's something that's practiced. So when you make note of that acronym, then that kind of gives you your start. So whatever the first step of that strategy is. So if it's underline the title or number your paragraphs, Um, identify keywords in the questions, whatever that strategy tells you to do. If you do that in that order, then you're not sitting there frozen. So that goes back to strategies, which was a component that I know for lots of elementary and middle school students in ELAR and math. Um, have set strategies and if they practice these strategies and it's a part of their instructions from the very beginning of the school year until standardized testing time then it's already embedded in them so they know what's expected of them and so they go right into producing those strategies and Mm. it is like a a roadmap for them Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, that's good can over preparing for a test cause anxiety
0: Yes, it
1: can.
3: I think sometimes that can be, especially when you have those people who are wired tight. And we talked um, about this. We, we have we talked yeah. about this off air. And so, yeah, we did. Right, we did. Shh, don't. We'll not, not bring that up. We'll not bring that up. That's our So, I think over preparing sometimes it just gets you. Uh, it's a way to cope. It's a way to cope with anxiety. And so, I think there is a time to sort of know that you've prepared the best that you can, and to sort of even cut yourself off from. Preparing um, Mm -hmm. and maybe shift more towards some of those more relaxation type coping skills. It's just about diversifying your coping skills. Mm -hmm. Preparing is a coping skill, it Mm -hmm. helps you to feel better about it, but you want to mix in some of that other
1: stuff too. Mm -hmm. I would also say one of the things that we can do to prepare for a test is to get a clear description of the test. And I think that that helps also with like, um, College entrance exams, the ACT, the SAT. Mm -hmm. If you know what it is that you're going to, because if you're just going in blind, it's like this. You know, you know, you're going to walk. It's like imagining you're, you're telling me you're going to walk into this room and something really scary is going to be on the other side of the door. You know, versus saying, you know, there's something really scary, so just prepare, prepare for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this is what it looks like on the other side of the door. And so, you know what I mean. So do front loading that info. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are there, and you, you said that this is not a diagnosable um, condition. However, are there accommodations that can be given at the school um, to help with this?
3: Yes. And I think, again, it, it, this, this issue happens on a continuum. So you want to be sure to provide the right amount of support for wherever they are on that continuum there's a such a thing as over accommodating and that can create some issues and there's such a thing as not accommodating enough and so you want to sort of find that sweet pot sweet spot for each individual kid but there's things um, you know if they're under the special education umbrella um, they have options to go to the content mastery classroom if they have a 504 plan um, then they have options for extended time for testing. And so there's just different accommodations. Um, we get real creative up at the schools as far as um, just being able to meet kids where they're at um, as long as we know what the issue is. Um, they can, even if it's just a general ed kid, so they don't have a 504 plan or they don't have a sped or a special ed umbrella, they can request um, group testing um, or they can request um, individual testing. So there's ways to sort of accommodate um, and help as long as the teacher in the school knows what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Advocate for your kids. We're always saying that on the show. If you see that there is an issue, then, um, you know, have an open conversation and an open dialogue with the teacher and let them know this is what we're dealing with. And, and most teachers are, are, you know, they're willing to help and happy to help because, your success is their success.
0: Absolutely. And quite yeah. often, some of the things that parents um, share are things that are maybe observations the teacher may already have. Say, you know, I noticed that, or I, I see this happening, and, and quite often this happens. And so that is also the importance of parent-teacher conferences and mm-hmm. keeping the lines of communication open um, no matter what. That, that's a that's a key, key component mm-hmm. to the success of, of our students. Yeah.
1: What other people inside the school, other than your teacher, can you talk to about uh, test anxiety?
0: I was with a small group just the other day with the guidance counselor, and so the counselor has uh, has small groups for you know different reasons. But there was a group that I was with. I actually was with two groups this week: a fourth grade group and a fifth grade group. For that reason, they may have other had other other. Other areas that of growth that they may have been focused on, but this was one of them. Organization. Um assisting with uh, just being able to organize their materials and and just thinking clearly about um, sorting their different subject matters and how to obtain their resources quickly without everything being all over the place and so testing was another component of that so the counselor
3: yeah I was gonna say counselor and then too a lot of the high schools uh, and I know it just depends on the district but a lot of the high schools are shifting to where they have these college and career centers and so if it's those those tests you know the college entrance tests there's a lot of help um, and information that again it's that whole preparation thing where you can front load that information mm-hmm. um, obviously teacher is the go-to um, but administrators um, sometimes it, there's testing coordinators usually on every campus too and a lot of times that's your key person um, to to reach out to because they know what the other resources are available as well-hmm
1: mm-hmm. What are some things that we can do with our kids at home ahead of time? Um, one of the things I, I read in an article that I thought was really great it was just to focus on stress management in general. Not you know between tests, mm-hmm. before tests, between tests, just managing stress in in your life of your kid. Because if you have a worrier, they're probably going to experience test anxiety.
0: I believe that extracurricular activities are really important um, in that area because if they're doing, if they're engaged in something that they enjoy outside of school, and so whether it be dance or theater or soccer or volleyball or anything, anything that they truly enjoy doing and they feel supported by their, by their parents, I think that's a reliever of stress and Mm -hmm. they respond well to it and it makes them feel as though they have balance in their life. It's like, yeah, mom cares about school, but I've got a basketball game too. Mm -hmm. And so I think knowing that they can be because I think we all have known of students who've been extremely successful in something that could be extra an extracurricular activity and may struggle. Academically. Mm -hmm. And so for those students, just knowing that they're supported in the things that empower them and make them feel like they're good at something. Mm -hmm. And so to feel, and, and that's instilling value, right? So if I feel like I'm really, really great at softball, but I'm a struggling reader and you come to my softball games and you encourage me and you say all the things that make me feel like I'm a really great kid, then if I'm not quite successful on that assessment, I'll think about the times that. You supported me and you made me feel like I mattered and that you loved me anyway, even though I totally tanked on this test, right? So, yeah, that's nurturing that's the awesome. whole child. That's yeah. nurturing the whole child. And mm-hmm.
3: I do think it falls back to just having those conversations often about coping skills, normalizing for kids, helping them know that even adults need coping skills, mm-hmm. um, shifting to um, that growth mindset of sort of having a goal, even making the testing anxiety. Um, a goal. Okay. We're going to, we're going to work on this anxiety in the sense of let's talk through some of those coping skills, because if we can make it a goal, then it's not this internal problem. That's about me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's shifting that away from their identity. Um, I also think um helping your child sort of understand and explore their own learning style mm-hmm. um you mm. know i'm more of an auditory learner so podcasts and youtube videos those are my jam um but i didn't i don't think i knew that when i was young you yeah. know and so i think s- helping them just figure out who they are and what works for them um the one podcast i listened to dr hollowell he's a adhd expert but he he talks about how um, vitamin C is a thing and he says vitamin connection and so as you have those connection those relationships with your kids um, never worry alone is another thing he says you know if you're entering into this problem with your kid and it you're joining with them and it's your problem too they feel um, supported by they you. feel so supported mm-hmm. and it and it's and you're sharing that burden I mean I think we all need that as humans mm-hmm. um, but
0: especially kids mm-hmm. it made me think about you saying that made me think about something so when thinking about different learning styles and you were saying that like your auditory. I think too, if your child has a teacher who may not be able to identify your child's learning style, that's something to include in maybe a parent teacher conference. Um, I know when working with teachers and mentoring teachers, we talk often about the importance of kinesthetic learners and auditory learners and, and, and how you need to make sure that the learning environment, um, taps to the need, you know, speaks to the needs of all of those children you tap into all of those different learning styles. So if as a parent, you know, that your child is an auditory learner, or maybe, you know, that your child is not an auditory learner, then you would want to know if that teacher thinks that they're going to lecture for 75 minutes straight and have your child's attention it's probably not going to happen as opposed to a gallery walk or some learning centers where they're moving around the room and, you know, getting to do some hands-on activities. Those things matter. And so I think even as parents, being mindful of what's happening so that they can share, you know, my student learns best this way. Because if I were a teacher, I would, I would want to know that. I would know, huh, well, maybe that's something I can incorporate in my teaching style and even in the structure of my classroom yeah. to ensure the success of all of the students, not just some of them
3: i think one other thought i had too that's just super important is you know having that conversation with your kids of their worth is and their value is not tied to their performance whether that's basketball testing soccer whatever it is like their value is not tied to that and i think sometimes parents we can speak life into our kids but then also sometimes it gets frustrating when it doesn't stick because this is this is not something that happens overnight they may struggle with this negative self-talk for a time. And I think keeping in mind on the parent end, you know, it's an inside job we can speak the life in, but it's ultimately up to the kids to sort of be some good soil and, and, and we cultivate that soil, but they have to hold on to and grab onto those. So it's an inside job. And, and I think keeping that in mind too, helps manage that parent guilt, you know, because any Mm -hmm. problem our kid has somehow reflects on us or we feel like it does, or am I not doing enough? And so I think, um, you know, there's part that a parent plays, but there's part that the kid plays too, as far as taking some ownership of coping and, and learning how to manage it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so agree with that. And uh, we talked a little bit about this before um, celebrating the progress instead of celebrating just the wins um, to help the kids know, you know, and that's what are the, the growth mindset to just know um, we, we grow, we adapt, we learn more. And it's not just about when you, Win, but it's also about you trying right. and doing your best. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then you also mentioned Alicia in the what are they called? The stations, the relaxation, um, oh, uh, the calming stations, calming stations. Mm-hmm. You mentioned journaling that um, they mm-hmm. have that there. That's mm-hmm. something that great that they can do at home. Mm-hmm. Just journal. You know, I feel this way when yeah. the the star test is coming up and I'm feeling this way and just kind of um, help them. Cause I think kids live in their heads. A lot of times yeah. we are much more, um, um, aware of our feelings and our emotions and things like that and kids necess- kids sometimes are not. Yeah. So for them to write out what it is that they're experiencing and feeling is really helpful mm-hmm. for them to actually deal with it. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Promotes insight so they know how to move forward. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. What are some of the long-term impacts of um, test anxiety if it's not dealt with? As adults, if we have had test anxiety all this time and then we grow up, then then what?
3: I think, you know, one of the biggest things I think about is if it's untreated or unaccommodated, um, kids start to internalize and they start to perceive that this problem is them and it's they're just not a good student or they just school's just not their thing. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not something you take care of, it can become sort of this shift to their identity, Mm -hmm. which is not what you want. I mean, that's the opposite of that growth mindset. And so you want um, kids to be able to know that there's, there's things they can do. There's steps that they can take again. Cause if they go into life feeling like they're a bad student or school's just not their thing, you know, that may cause them to forgo a college opportunity or opportunity. It can affect their whole future. If this Mm -hmm. is something that doesn't get taken care of. Mm -hmm.
0: I think about how parents often, if a parent may have struggled with it and didn't get the support that they needed I'm thinking about how often a parent may inflict that on their child so mm-hmm. you think these little people grow up into grown-ups and what will that look like how will it manifest itself and I think about lashing out you, you see it impact other areas of their life I, I would imagine that that impacts their self-esteem and their self-worth so what does this look like in relationships? What does this look like in work environments? Do they ever see themselves as being adequate mm-hmm, right. in, in relationships or even in the workforce? What do these adults look like? So yeah. I think I think it can manifest itself in ways that could be detrimental to their personal life. Even. Yeah.
1: We have a question on Facebook here
0: focusing on a star test
1: what are a few ways to help students prepare once day one of testing is over it's like a three-part question here so think about that Students put so much pressures on that pressure on themselves leading into day one. what are a few tips for parents after the first day of testing as ways to help with the roller coaster of emotions? So I guess what he's saying is you know we ha- we test in all these different areas. so that first test day is over, but then they still got to be tested in
0: science and math or whatever right. So typically if let's say the first day may be a math assessment um, and then the next day may be, I don't know, maybe an ELAR. Um, One of the things that I certainly find is that children enjoy celebrations. They enjoy celebrating the fact that one test is done and Mm -hmm. it's over and you got through it and you made it in one piece. So I would first start by saying celebrate. Oh, sorry about that. I would start by saying celebrate. The fact that the first test has been completed, Mm -hmm. the first day of successful testing and reflect on all the great things that happened that day, reflect on how great it was to go to bed early and how great it was to not be tired, how great it was to have. Um, a, a nice, a decent breakfast and how great it was to use those strategies and to take deep breaths and have such a great day and to come home from school. And what are we going to have for dinner? And what's this going to be like so that we can start it all over again? So I would say reflect on all the the great things that happened and the highs and the, and the great habits that were implemented that day so that you can see how to revisit those and just basically do it all over again. That's um, a great
1: idea. And maybe that's when you get the donut holes. That after celebration, <laughs> All the way home. you want to celebrate right. Instead of for oh, breakfast. Sick. They're closed
0: after school, though.
1: They're only open in the morning. You have to buy them buy before them noon and then heat them up. <gasps> there you go. Before you oh, get yeah. in drive driveline. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: I think, too, having some sort of a visual board where if it's three days, you know, you you erase one of the days or something oh, that sort of good. celebrates that, hey, we're almost there. You did one. Good job. And just sort of keeping it positive. Um, also trying to keep that evening clear of a whole lot of stuff. Um, If at all possible, you know, I know people have busy lives and events and all that stuff, but that carving out that bedtime, carving out that connection time, carving out that healthy dinner time, all of that kind of stuff is
0: really good, too. Mm -hmm. I found that lots of extracurricular activities pause during star testing time, like lots of dance studios, maybe not sports, but I know lots of dance studios and gymnastics studios will pause and say, Hey, we understand that testing is going on this week. Take a break off. We'll see you guys next week. So I've seen that happen before. And sometimes parents just have to make a decision that they think is best. It may not, may not be a popular decision, but if you know that your child needs the rest mm-hmm. and there's an extracurricular activity happening the week of Standardized testing that may be the week to forego and and resume activities the following week. Yeah. That's so interesting. You should
1: say that because I don't like that idea. I'd I didn't know that that was a thing that mm-hmm. that was happening, but mm-hmm. I think that. Keeping up your regular routine and doing something that you love is a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, when we're dancing and exerting energy, it's also helping us to get rid rid of some of those stress hormones. So, I mean, you actually you have to, of course, understand and know your own child Mm -hmm. and make a decision based on your child. Mm -hmm. But I would, I think, want my my children to continue in their their activities just to kinda get some of that stress out and do something that they love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we've think had that makes sense. canceled. Yeah, we've had we've had um we've had extracurricular activities that were postponed the week of testing just because I guess the 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 acknowledgement of just the anxiety that may be associated with it and just knowing, hey, people may be on a different type of schedule. So I've seen it I've seen it canceled for a week. I think
1: that also I'm sorry to even argue with this, but <laughs> Let's I think that it. also makes kids think, okay, that, that might put even more pressure uh-huh, on. Uh-huh. Like this is such an important test. It, I can't go to dance stops. or I can't go yeah. to whatever well, sport. Yeah. I think yeah. the
3: lesson is exactly what you said. It's individualized. Mm-hmm. And so it's, helping kids to listen to their cues. It's also being in tune with your own kid. You know, there are some kids who can do a four days a week baseball with no problem. Mm -hmm. And that's their routine. And that's, but there are some kids, if they get one more thing on their plate, in addition, Mm -hmm. then you've got to be able to take something else off the plate. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's per kid. The goal would be listen to your kid, listen to their cues, um, be mindful of what they need and, and take care of it that way. Yeah. But yeah. it's a big extra on your plate mm-hmm. on those weeks for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm actually big about taking stuff off my plate because yeah. I know that, you know, again, I'm type A and I can get stressed out. So I will remove something in a minute because everything will fall off if right. I don't. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's interesting you said mm-hmm. that because I had never yeah. heard that the, that at least doesn't happen where I am or mm-hmm. that actually yeah. the dance place that we go to goes on all the time like no matter what Let's like, no, go no, on. we're still here <laughs> no schools out but we're yeah. still here yeah. <laughs> well thank you ladies so much for joining us today this was really good information yeah, yeah. this is awesome thanks yeah. for having us and um yeah. tell us how to find your book and so the name of
0: it and all that good stuff testing jitters is available on barnes and nobles online and here we go in amazon so barnes noble and amazon online testing jitters and it's available in paperback it's available in hardcover and it's available as an ebook all right perfect
1: all right well unfortunately we are out of time but thank you guys so much for joining us noggin educational foundation is the premier sponsor of school days so we always want to let you know what's going on with noggin Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of our commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. If you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldaysshow.com to give today. Also, we are now taking applications for our free tutoring program. Each student receives 12 in-home private sessions with a teacher. We also offer online tutoring if you're not in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Students must qualify for the free or reduced lunch program at school. Space is limited. And for more information, go to our website, nogginfoundation.org. That's N-O-G-G-I-N and click on the free tutoring icon. And lastly, we're preparing for our summer math and reading program. Each Saturday, we welcome groups and individuals to help us assemble activities. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to help with a group of friends, group coworkers, co-workers, or even come by yourself and meet somebody new, email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Next week, I'll sit down with Andrea Hutchins, who is a second grade math teacher, and she's going to talk to us about understanding the new math. (laughs) So don't forget to share that with your parent friends. And also head to our website, schooldazedshow.com for more information about all that we're doing and all the resources that we mentioned on school days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end the show by, by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, email me at info at days Have a great week. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.